Thank you for listening to RGCWV, Random Geek Culture in West Virginia. I am your host, Luke Hersey. With me tonight, we have Alex McLean and Mike Mallow. Mike is joining us from a remote West Virginia Hills location of, what's the name of the drive-in? Warner's Drive-In. Warner's Drive-In. In beautiful Franklin, West Virginia. And there isn't many drive-ins left in West Virginia. In fact, I think there's only like three, four. Uh, I believe there's four, if I remember yeah. right. And so if you are in the Pendleton County area of West Virginia, they do show movies at the Warner Drive-In in Pendleton County, Fridays and Saturdays. Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. And that's seasonal. So it would only be from the... Later part of the spring to the beginning of fall, correct? Uh, our last date this year is actually August 17th. Okay. I try to push for it longer, but but everybody wants a break, so yeah, we'll, we'll let them have a break. Um, next everybody weekend, else wants a break. You're the one that runs the place. I don't run the snack bar. Oh, that's true. If I don't have the food, I don't have the people. Oh, man. Man, I love the cheeseburgers there. They're the best. I will say we got them back to how they used to be. I mean, they're pretty on par with, with the old timey cheeseburgers that were here before. Oh, they changed them? Well, we don't have the same people cooking them as what oh, they used to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense because you guys closed for a little while. And yeah. uh, that, but by the way, thank you for pretty much heading up that campaign to get the, the, the drive in back opened up. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to tell that story on here sometime. If we ever do a, a geek in uh, the Potomac Highlands, of which you won't find a whole lot of geek stuff. Yeah, well, that's there... that. That is my plan: is to uh, do a Potomac Highlands um, episode for the geeks in Potomac Highlands, just like the last two geeks in episodes, the North Central and the Central West Virginia episodes. I, I hope to do a whole bunch of those. Um, in fact, uh, I want to do one in the Huntington area. I also want to do one in the um, uh, Tamarack. I want to do one just about Tamarack because that that could fill up a whole episode. Yeah, uh, That place is amazing. If you don't know what that is, look that up. It's really, really cool. And I want to talk with a... I, I know a couple uh, local artists that are featured at Tamarack. So, nice. Anyway, um, I heard from you, Mike. Did we hear... Alex's voice. Do we even know he's on the phone? Hey, folks. There he is. <laughs> there he is. So, um, tonight we are going to celebrate Pixar and also touch on some of my our listeners might not know the Pixar theory. And that's the theory that all of the Pixar movies are intertwined. And we'll brush over that. And then we'll also talk a little bit about Toy Story 4. We won't really get into any spoilers, but we will talk about the theory on how um, Toy Story 4 may fit into and even expand upon the Pixar theory. But before we get into that... Let's go ahead and do our geek outs. Um, I will go ahead and go first. Um, we already mentioned movies, but I'm going to actually talk on a different one. Um, and it's not necessarily the movie in itself, but it got me thinking. So I went to go see Aladdin this weekend, the live action Aladdin. And I thought 
from all of the hate that it was getting from reviewers and everything that it was a it was a horrible movie. And then I went to go see it, and I liked it. Hmm. <laughs> and <clears throat> here's the thing. So, um, I, I I could go all day about about the director. Um, and how he presents, <laughs> he presents all his movies within a framing device and you have to watch that movie within that framing device that he presents at the beginning of the movie. And if you don't, you're missing the point. Um, IE at the beginning of Aladdin, he, uh, Will Smith's character was telling a story to his kids. So I appreciated the movie through that lens and through that framing device and, I enjoyed it more for that. And I think maybe, maybe that's what some of the people were missing the point for either way. I enjoyed the movie. Well, Aladdin has a, the original Aladdin has a similar framing device. It's a little more, um, you know, not, not kid friendly, I guess, cause it talks, it's the salesman <laughs> trying to sell you a lamp and talk about cutting people's throats and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you as far as the director goes, because I'm like, this is a really weird sequel to Snatch. Or Lockstock. Or Lockstock. All right, back to it. My, my actual geek out isn't exactly about the Aladdin movie. My geek out is more, not even so much a geek out, but more or less a soapbox, <laughs> which is don't always trust the reviewers and don't always trust me. Go see it if you're intrigued. You may like it and you may not. But the thing is, is you're making up your own mind. And I think that with recent developments with Rotten Tomatoes, with some reviewers out there, that this is a point in time where I think people need to be making up their own mind. Um, because there are so many movies I've seen recently that were just destroyed in both Rotten Tomatoes and being being reviewed badly by reviewers, but was fantastic. Uh, I, I constantly talk about Alita, Battle Angel, being a fantastic movie, and it really was. Um, but some people may disagree with me on that, and that's perfectly fine. Mm. So what I'm basically just trying to say is, if you want to go see it, go see it. Don't feel guilty for liking something that nobody else does. If you get enjoyment out of it, watch it, enjoy it, and maybe talk about it. Maybe try to convince somebody to give that movie a second chance. That's all I'm trying to say. So, you know, I, I do have a similar soapbox that I'll, I'll only talk about quickly so as not to steal time here. But uh, no. I do... I am so constantly annoyed that just every single thing, not just popular things, but everything seems to have a hate train behind it. That just people love to, that there's a contingent of people, usually on the internet, that just hate it. Everything has so much hate. And I, it does turn people off from seeing it. Or or playing the game or watching the TV show. Yeah. It, it annoys me. It just annoys me. Those are both very similar soapboxes that we've hopped on before. It I mean, consistently we, we, annoys me. I mean, yeah. we talked. We talked about Fallout seventy six. We've talked about the Last Jedi. Yep. We've talked about Alita Battle Angel. We've talked. The, the list goes on and on. Yep, it sure does. So 
I, I take it, take it how you will. You know what? Just make up your own mind. You know, some exactly. reviewers will say if if something's good, something's bad. I'll say I enjoyed it, and maybe you will too. Anyway, going moving on from that, moving on from the soapbox that I set down right in front of you guys, um, Mike. Go ahead and give us your geek outs. I'm going next. Awesome. So this is a question that you're probably get asked a lot in mm -hmm. the next couple weeks. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you right now. Have you seen Stranger Things 3 yet? <sighs> I am embarrassed. So embarrassed right now. And you will know why. Because you didn't? Because I didn't even watch season two. Oh. oh, Luke. <laughs> oh, Stranger Things, number three. So I didn't like the second season. Um, a lot of people didn't, and that was kind of my hindrance. Well, how do you know? You ain't watched it. <laughs> That's right. Well, you're making judgments based on reviews. Yeah, Luke. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> you got to watch it before. Oh. Or people you know like me. I have tasted my own medicine and it is bitter. <laughs> this is uh, what I'm talking about, though, that people like that turn are turned off from popular media because I heard on a meme on Facebook that it was terrible. So now I'm not watching it. Oh, man, man. I If I didn't just make my point right there. <laughs> I, I got to turn the knife where I can. But anyways, so... So coming off season two, I was kind of mad about going into this one, but uh, this one completely redeemed itself. Um, is it as good uh, as one? It, it is pretty darn close. Okay. And and, it, and I feel like they've kind of framed it more or less the same, kind of all the way through, and and I really appreciate that because it, it brings back the spirit of the first one. I mean, you still have to have the second one to get the the plot for this one, but it it works out good and. Um, uh, there, there's a couple of new uh, characters in it that I think are breakout stars. Uh, one of them is um, it's a coworker of Steve's. Um, her name is uh, Robin, uh -huh. and uh, she, she's one of my favorite characters in this season. And and I just found out this morning that she, she is actually the daughter of Uma Thurman and uh, huh? and Ethan Hawke. Okay, so I, th so I thought that was kind of wild, but but yeah, but, but my geek out is generally. No, season three of Stranger Things it was pretty darn good, and I, and I definitely recommend it. Now, now Tracy didn't like the ending, and I thought it was fine. But uh, you know, other than that, I didn't really have any complaints. All right, Alex. You know, I, I don't really have like some kind of an amazing geek out to have, but uh, I I just saw a clip of it uh, recently on YouTube. Remember that old show Farscape? On uh, oh, Sci-Fi yeah. Channel, I just I just saw a clip of it and was just thinking like I haven't thought about that show for years and years and probably forgot that it existed. But uh, just seeing one short clip of it really brought a lot of uh, enjoyment back to me. That was I, a weird. That was a show that wasn't afraid to be weird. I I I actually really really liked the first season. I mean the other seasons were good. But that first season was a wild ride. So, you know, that's just my geek out. It's just Farscape was pretty cool. I I forgot that it it, it even existed, but uh, 
I don't know. Weird, weird show. Can I be honest, Alex? Can I be totally honest? No, I would prefer that you didn't. Lie <laughs> to me, please, Luke. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that was not the geek out that I thought you were going to make. Oh. Hey, I thought you know. I thought you were going to make your geek out um, uh, Bloodstained Circle of the Moon. Eh, I've already talked about Bloodstained a few times on the show. I That's didn't wanna, true. That's know, true. Yeah, for anybody that hasn't heard me talk about it before, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Oh yeah, is, that's right. Uh, is the new game that's out for uh, Switch and most other platforms. It's the full full game. It's uh, it's, li- it's like successor. Symp- yeah, it's like Symphony of the Night. It's a spiritual successor yeah. to Symphony of the Night, and it is great. It's it's everything that I thought it would be. And uh, if you liked classic Castlevania, this is a spiritual successor to it. All right. Now for the main event, Pixar. Before we get started, I want to hear you guys' favorite Pixar movie. Who goes first? Michael go first, because he talked first. Ha! You're it. Wally. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and it came out the day of your daughter's birth, so... Yes, yes it did. (laughs) Ah, favorite Pixar movie. I'm afraid I haven't thought about this too much. Okay, well, I'll do mine, and then you I, can. Uh, no, no, I can, I can stammer through it. Um, I, <laughs> okay. as as I often do, Toy Story Two. I've always kind of had a special place for Toy Story Two, and uh, a movie that I often think about, and I think I'll talk about on the podcast today is Inside Out. I think mm. my answer mm. is Inside Out. That okay. is a good one. That is a good one. Okay. My favorite is actually Incredibles. Makes sense. Uh, I love Incredibles so much. Um, And not just from uh, as a Pixar movie, but as an overall movie. It is just great. It's so polished. It looks good. It's just, it's a great movie. And and I I also love superheroes. So there's that too. (laughs) So. Sure, sure. So, if you didn't uh, hear from the very beginning, um, there is a theory out there that all Pixar movies are intertwined and connect to each other. Um, At first, when Pixar Universe was early, uh, a lot of people were thinking... In the beginning. In the beginning. um, A lot of people were thinking that, oh, okay, so uh, they didn't necessarily um they they weren't intertwined they were just kind of easter eggs you know little things here and there that were hearkening back to the other ones but the more movies came out the more things started fitting together so maybe they're intertwined and so we're going to spend a, a brief time, a brief time talking about Pixar and the Pixar theory. So Mike, have you heard about the Pixar theory? I have. What do you think about it? It holds water. I, I think so too. In fact, the more and more I read into it, the more and more I hear about it, the more I'm, 
it just it's it's just hard to deny. Um, but you know, as as I said, we'll we'll go we'll get into it. Why don't you explain it to us? So, the Pixar theory. Which movie would you like me to start with? I uh, start from the beginning. In the beginning, the genesis of Pixar. Okay, the genesis of Pixar. And when I say the beginning, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with the beginning of the timeline. So, beginning of the timeline, in the Good Dinosaur, the meteor didn't hit Earth. Okay, moving on from that one. Brave. <laughs> now, um, in the Good Dinosaur, we had dinosaurs and humans coexisting, and the dinosaurs talked. So, I mean, we could look at that as a theatrical device, but we could also think of it as that maybe, um, maybe animals are sentient in this universe. So, going back to Brave. Um, in Brave, um, <clears throat> Merida meets an uh, old witch that gives her some advice on how to help her mom that was turned into a bear. And the only thing is, is in the witch's wood shop, there were several things that didn't quite like add up necessarily. Um, there were wood carvings of what looked like a big bear. But of course, in um, later viewings, a lot of us realized that Monsters, Inc., Sully. The wood carvings that she was making looked like Sully. Ah. <clears throat> also, hearkening back to Monsters, Inc., to get to the, um, the witch, Merida opened up the door, and it was her wood shop. But after she got what she needed from the witch, she went back into the wood shop through a door she was the witch wasn't there almost like maybe she figured out the door technology that they were using in monsters uh, inc ah so let's move on to the next one into the 1950s with incredibles humans are starting to develop superpowers okay whatever um that's just the framing device of the movie. However, what happened in that movie that is important to note is Syndrome, the bad guy in that movie, developed artificial intelligence that we will revisit later. Next movie on the timeline is Toy Story. Now, in Toy Story, we come to the realization that a child's imagination can bring to life other things, toys, inanimate objects. Um, and also uh, in Toy Story 4, we find that um, <clears throat> not just toys, but anything that a kid plays with, that, any, uh, that a kid imagines will um, come to life. Let's skip ahead to the next one on the timeline. Finding Nemo. Animals still talking, still sentient. Um, we also notice uh, the ripples of what you would call uh, overpollution and overconsumption. Um, a common theme that they uh, push for in the Pixar universe. 
there's not really a whole lot in there, just kind of the dusting of the greater, greater story. Then, of course, in the next movie in the timeline, Ratatouille, we have another animal that is seemingly sentient that actually works with a human. Fast forward to Up, 2011-2016, somewhere around there. <clears throat> we have both the, um, the dogs that can speak with uh, voice callers, but they wouldn't be able to do that unless they had like some semblance of sentience already. Um, <clears throat> also, we have the uh, like ostrich thing. What was it? That thing was. It was a bird. Yeah, it was a bird. But what was what was its name? Peacock. Yeah, that's it. That's not it. <clears throat> I don't remember. <laughs> that's fine. Well, we'll move on from that. Anyway. <clears throat> more um I don't remember anything past the first 10 minutes. More more people working with animals type of thing. So after that, then we fast forward almost a hundred years. That's the cars movie. Now there is something that we miss in the story that's explained in Wally. Let's talk about the beginning of Wally before we get into cars. People have so overpolluted the planet that they have abandoned the planet. They have um, sought comfort in their artificial intelligence robots, and they are help uh, using those artificial intelligence robots to help them. So now people are gone. People are gone from Earth. And the only thing that are left is the vehicles or the cars. Uh. The cars that have artificial intelligence. But just like the toys, they have personality. They're not, you know, kind of shallow artificial intelligence like um, a lot of the robots in Wally, -E. <clears throat> they actually have personality, make jokes, you know, get emotional, that kind of thing, just like the toys in Toy Story. Now, going into Wally, -E. in Wally, -E, you have one robot left. All of the, oh, I, I missed Cars 2. I'm sorry. In Cars 2, there is an energy crisis, just like there was for the humans before they left the planet, and they are running out of resources. So the quote-unquote cars go extinct as well. Um, in a period of about six, seven hundred years, so Wally is the only AI that's still functioning on Earth. Wally finds the only plant on Earth, takes it back to the Axiom. The Axiom, um, the AI is given orders to never return to Earth. However, they quote unquote check the system to go back to Earth with. Um, the plant that Wally found. A, um, well, what would turn into a tree? 
The tree is what many believe is the same tree that is in Bug's life. That's the next one on the timeline. Ah! There is supposedly some humans around, but there's probably not many. So what's the next movie in the timeline? Monsters, Inc. So the theory is, is that the monsters in Monsters, Inc. are not per se monsters, but actually the mutated human race because the planet Earth was so irradiated and so inhabitable that they mutated and became the monsters. The monsters, in order to, um, because they were also having an energy crisis, the monsters developed a technology to not go to another planet or someplace else, but go back in time. And when they went back in time, Sully encountered Boo. Boo is the witch that we see in Brave. And that's why she's all the way in the past. She doesn't know where Sully is, but Boo, the witch, is going through time trying to discover where Sully is. Oh. So that's how the timeline harkens back to itself. I like it. Now, I haven't heard that thorough a discussion about it before, so that's kind of cool. Now, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that uh, you could uh, um, pull off of this. You could poke holes in that. And, I mean, it's not a fully confirmed theory or story. However, the, the, it, it, is, it is something that all ties together. Um, there's several places that you could read more about this. Um, there is the PixarTheory.com. Um, that was the first place I heard about it. There's also on YouTube um, the Pixar Theory from the Carlin Brothers. That one's extremely thorough. If you want to hear more about this, I suggest you listen to them because they are awesome. They're really, really good. Um, not just on the Pixar thing, um, on other movies as well. They're very good reviewers. They're very good theorists. So um, I would suggest checking that out. So what do you guys think? My, one of my favorite things about the way that they do consistency in Pixar movies is that there's always an element from the next movie in each Pixar movie. Because clearly they have mm. these things planned out. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool because you know it, it could be anything. You'd never know it. You'd just never know some background clutter or some poster or whatever is going to be the main character of the next movie, but guarantee whenever you watch their movies it's in there and some fanboy is gonna find it <laughs> so um <clears throat> before we get into um toy story 4 um i do want to take a commercial break when we come back or after the commercial break we're gonna listen to uh josh's gadget gallery and in Josh's Gadget Gallery, um, he's going to talk about uh, uh, drone flying 
and also the project, the crazy project that he had last Halloween. Listen to that one because it's really funny. Josh, do what? Yeah. Um. So d- drone flying. No, just not even racing. Let's just say drone flying. How hard sure. is it to get into right now? Uh, uh, getting into it is not hard. The technology has come so far, especially in the last five years. I mean, it went from a couple guys where you had to build everything manually. Because I, I literally started probably, I think it was five years ago. You had toys, and then you had really cool stuff, but you had to build it. And mm-hmm. it was a, a huge learning curve. The, the the flight controllers were all 8-bit, very limited. They were essentially, uh, actually the first one and the first firmware was called MultiWii. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the first one, but it was very popular for a long time. And it was literally the uh, sensors taken out of a Wiimote and resoldered onto a, a board and with custom firmware. So <laughs> that's I mean, that's the technology they were using was accelerometers and gyros because that was the cheapest place to get them. Yeah. Uh, you know, flash forward to five years later, we've got 32-bit control boards that you get a knock a Chinese knockoff for 20 bucks. And uh, don't do that, but you can, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and 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 build something yourself, or you know you can buy a ready-to-go kit, or even high-end like AP stuff. Like you look at what DJI does with the Phantom and the Mavic and the Spark and all that stuff. They pretty much came out of nowhere and killed an entire market for anybody else to make a cam- a, a decent camera drone. Yeah, because th- th- theirs are they are so good at just making them almost idiot-proof. I don't want to bad talk DJI, um, but they do pretty much fly themselves. You know, they have enough. They have so many sensors on them. They know how high they are. They know whether or not you're in an area that you're allowed to fly in or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll detect a wall, so they're really hard to crash. Um, they're great for videography and photography, but they get boring really fast because you just kind of say, "Hey, fly over here," and it listens to you, but it's doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, so that's a really easy way to get into it. You're paying if you go the DJI route, you're paying for it. You're you're looking to spend probably you know nine hundred to twelve hundred dollars is your entry point at that point. Wow. So so it's it's not uh, it's not a poor man's game at all. What's, On the other aspect, what's probably that, the cheapest like halfway decent one you're, uh, you're looking at? It ballpark. Well, it depends. Yeah, it, it really depends because you can go as low as one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars all the way up. Yeah. Um, anything below that that hundred fifty two hundred dollars is, is is a toy, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to enjoy it. My first one was a forty dollar thing I got off of a Chinese website, and it was fine. I mean, I could couldn't really fly it outdoors um, because the wind would take it away, but I did anyway, and I had a lot of fun with it. And that was that that got the taste for it in my mouth. So then I I, I went on from there. Um, but there's so many different avenues of it. There's just the ones that you just stand in the yard and look at it and fly around. Yeah. Uh, there are the, the the videography and photography things like the DJI uh, line of, of drones that they have. And then there is the whole racing side of it, which is a totally different avenue. And you can buy pre-made there, but that crowd, that's like your custom tuning, uh, your custom car crowd. It's, it's very competitive. The technology there changes very quickly. And when you get into that, especially if you are out flying a lot or the freestyle crowd and the racing crowd, you have a budget of 50 to hundred dollars a month, if not more that you're just dumping into parts and new frames and stuff, because you're going to crash a lot. So it just depends on what Avenue you want to take in it. And, you know, you may get into it thinking, I just want to do 
cool videos of photography and then realize that you have a, a taste for speed. So then you want to race or you yeah. might go into it thinking you're going to race and realize this is really hard and expensive. I just want to goof off in my backyard and, and go the complete other route with it. Um, it's, it, it's really hard to say, you know, what the, there's no right way to get into it. You can absolutely go to Walmart right now and buy a star Wars drone that looks like the millennium Falcon and it flies like a bus, but it's a lot of fun. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it looks cool. That's it the, does. That's it actually looks really cool. They did a really good job on this. Y- one, yeah, actually. they did. I've watched uh, a few I, I videos bring online. Them up specifically for that because they actually fly half decent. You had a uh, was it Air Hogs or whatever. They made a little foam cheesy one a while back, and that thing was a nightmare. Uh, I have it shoved away in a closet here somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the Star Wars branded stuff. They actually did a little bit of work. Uh, and again, it says a lot about how far the technology's come. That. There's, I mean, there's tiny. I think my littlest one I had was maybe three inches uh, rectangle or yeah. square, and uh, that thing flew great indoors. I mean, it would zip around and stop on a dime, and it was really cool. It didn't have any navigation or anything like that. You know, you just go. But uh, it was, it's a lot of fun to have in an office. The noise sounds like a tiny little angry bee flying around everywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 just one of the things. It's a lot of fun. It's especially if you ever had an interest in any kind of RC flight. Because the cost of entry is so low and you can just get a toy one from the store and fly almost right away, you know, it's it's a great way to get into that hobby as a whole, not just the drone side of it. You know, now flying an RC plane is very different than an RC drone, but uh, the communities can be friendly from time to time. Yeah. Just depends on who you're talking to. Well, here's a question. So mm-hmm. apart from that, what are we looking at for like maintenance costs? Um, it depends, again, on how you're flying. If you're just going out and cruising around and, uh, you know, not pushing it, not crashing and stuff like that, uh, maybe buying a new battery every once in a while. Because there are lithium-ion batteries in most cases, so they're going to degrade over time, mm-hmm. um, especially if you overcharge or overdraw the power from them. Yeah. So you want to be mindful of that. A lot of modern ones will have a battery monitor of some sort and some sort of low voltage cutoff to help protect the battery. So there's not a lot of maintenance there. Um, with the AP type drones, uh, again, the same thing. As long as you're being careful with it and taking care of it, there's really not a lot of maintenance costs. If you are looking into, uh, you know, eventually a motor burns out or you have a bad bearing or some, something, uh, that gets a little tricky because with the DJI stuff, it's all going to be pretty much proprietary. So anything you buy is going to be through them. So they're going to set their price. And yeah. I, I'm not sure what they charge for the motors, but I know that they're not super inexpensive. Yeah. Um, now, if you go for the toy grade stuff, pretty much when something breaks, just buy a new one. So, now, what about, you know, they're, they're not really worth it. Now, what about FAA concerns? Like, is there any kind of regulation for that, especially here in West Virginia? Uh, the media, especially over the last few years, tried to make this a bigger deal than it was by saying, you know, drones are an invasion of privacy and there's this and there's this and there's this and they're completely lawless. Um that's not true. Um, there are airspace regulations and always have been, well, not always, but I mean, for a very long time. And uh, the hobby aviation crowd has stuck by them willingly. Mm-hmm. The, the big problem being that these are really easy and really cheap to fly. So any Yahoo can go out and buy one and they don't know the rules. They, they were never educated. So there was a movement called No Before You Fly that went out to try to tell people these are the rules. And it's basically don't fly within five miles of an airport and keep it under 400 feet. That's pretty much it. If you follow those two rules, you're going to be fine. Um, the other big one that 
really doesn't come up very often, but it does now with the DJI stuff putting out such good quality, is you can only fly for hobby. You cannot fly commercially um, without, uh, not necessarily a license, it's a Part 107, which is like a, a certificate that says you will abide by these certain rules and you are a certified commercial pilot, essentially, for UAVs. And uh, that's that's the, the tricky part right now because it, a lot of people are like, well, I don't fly commercially. Okay, but you made a cool YouTube video. You put it on YouTube and you're making ad revenue from that uh, if you monetize your video. That's technically commercial. commercial. So, yeah, okay. yeah, so uh, if you don't monetize your videos, no big deal. If there's no way that money gets tracked back to you, it's totally fine. So you can share your videos and stuff. Just don't try to monetize them. Well, here's now, a question. So, that, well, that being said, people do. You have a ton of people out there yeah. buying a drone, shooting videos of their house, and using those videos to sell their house. That's commercial usage. They're doing it anyway. Um, because there's no, even though there's rules, and you think of it, it's, it's a federal thing. Uh, it's up to the local police enforcement to enforce those laws. Mm-hmm. And nine out of ten of them don't care or don't know. You know, it, it, as long as you're out somewhere, you're minding your own business no one's going to bother you. Uh, if you're like, I live in downtown Clarksburg, essentially. If I took off from my backyard, and started buzzing my neighbor's houses, there's going to be uh, law involved. And uh, for good reason, because at that point there are already privacy laws in the state of West Virginia uh, that prevent me from doing that. There's already trespassing laws that prevent me from doing that. The only funny thing is, is you hear a lot of people say that if one of those ever flies over my heart, my house, I'll shoot it down. Uh, that's a federal offense. So it's actually uh, it's actually a felony for them to shoot the drone where it might be a misdemeanor for me to trespass. So don't shoot down drones, no matter how much of a man you are. You will go to jail before I will. So don't do that. It's yeah. a bad idea. So one of my favorite little projects that you did was what you did this Halloween with the... <laughs> oh, the helicopter. <laughs> the helicopter. Oh, man. Yeah. That so. actually uh, that actually came about as a joke. Um, it was actually a mixture uh, or a conglomeration of all the random hobbies. Uh, you could say I'm a jack of all trades. I just usually roll with the fact that it's ADHD. So uh, I jump so from hobby to hobby and trades. interest. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm super passionate about something for a, a, a limited run of time, and then I'm just done with it. Uh, but with, with, with drones and some of the other stuff I enjoy, uh, I've got a couple things running right now through my head that I bounce back and forth off to what takes precedence, mm-hmm. but, um, but they all kind of tie together. So that came out as a joke where I had bought an old uh, Xbox 360 Connect off eBay for like 20 bucks mm-hmm. and was uh, running through the Windows software for 3D scanning with it. Now, the 3D scans aren't super high resolution, but it does work 50% of the time. So I had scanned my head uh, as a joke and, yeah. because, you know, hey, what, what else am I going to scan? <laughs> what else? And got, yeah, exactly. Um, the resolution's not good enough to scan any, anything else. So that was, that was a, good, a good place to start. Uh, but uh, we made a joke that, you know, I should turn it into a, a, a drone and, and fly it around on Halloween. And it went back and forth for a while. You know, it was a funny idea, funny idea. Uh, and then uh, a friend of mine, Anthony, called me out on it and said, you know, You've got all the electronics. You've got everything to do it. Uh, I've got 3D printers. So you know, you've got everything to do it. If you don't do it, it's just because you're lazy. So at that point, I had to do it. And 
it was it was a good effort. We had some parts donated by uh, some companies I've worked with in the past doing reviews for, uh, mm-hmm. some electronics donated by other people in the, in the hobby in our area. Uh, we took the 3D scan of the head. We 3D printed it. Uh, we sanded it, smoothed it, primed it, and gave it over to a, a local artist named Lisa Sphingos. And she has worked in the dark art community for a while. So she paints a lot of stuff that, you know, goth type art, some really yeah. cool stuff. And uh, she took it to the next level. I, I just gave it to her and said, you know, whatever you can do with it, it's allowed to look cheesy. It's just a joke. Uh, she actually went to the next level and she took some online uh, one-on-one coursework with someone who has worked uh, on Hollywood films on special effects prop making. So she learned about texturing the skin and how to do the, the hair for stubble and all this stuff. It and really so took it good. to the next level. It, it looks better in person. The video doesn't do it justice. It really looks good in person. But the and, way you uh, made to, it, to, the, the way you made the video that make it look like 1980s, 1990s VHS, <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, that made it really good. Well, thank you. We, uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun to make. Uh, it was actually we shot it in a, just a couple of days. Obviously, I mean the, the whole thing is only two three minutes long. Uh, but we shot it in a couple of days, broken up, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun to shoot. Obviously, none of us have any real acting experience or yeah. anything, and uh, I didn't have any microphones, so we dubbed in all the audio later. But I think that played up the whole campiness of it. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a happy accident there. Um, but yeah, and, and uh, to be honest, though, you don't see the thing fly very much. It does fly. It was actually doing flips and rolls and all that stuff, but it steered like a boat. Uh, you could get it flying straight, and it would probably do 30, 40 miles an hour. But whenever you tried to turn it, it was like drift racing. Like all of a sudden, we're in like Tokyo drift trying yeah. to get this thing to, to, to take any kind of corner. So it was a bit to handle in the air. Uh, and uh, we had to take it kind of easy because we only had one of them. So we couldn't really uh, push it too hard. And we did end up breaking it uh, at one point. It's just a minor crack, but we grounded it after that. So it's now just uh, on display on my bookshelf in my office. Just a, just a big severed head of me sitting there staring at me. So that's fun. <laughs> now, um, if somebody would want to look at that video, what would they have to search on YouTube? Um, well, you can actually find all of my stuff at thatjoshguy.com. Just T-H-A-T, Josh Guy dot com mm-hmm. um that links to all my social media stuff i'm not oh, okay. super active like i wouldn't i'm not like a youtuber or anything like that but when i make something that i that i care about i'll put it up there and it links to my channel uh, you can just search for that josh guy on facebook or instagram or youtube and probably google plus if that's not dead yet yeah it's it's dying so yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and we're back hi guys hi so, Mike, did you see Toy Story 4? I did, many times. Because we had it to drive in for uh, four straight nights. Oh, okay. That sounds, that sounds fun. And it was good. Well, I mean, if there's a movie that you've seen it that many times and you don't hate it after that many times in one period, even, even if you don't hate it and you just kind of like, yeah, that's pretty good, that speaks mild. Mm, excuse me that speaks miles to the movie yeah and we did the same thing we, we do that with all the pixar movies so we did that with um incredibles 2 last year and cars 3 the year before mm. and I, I got pretty exhausted with those to the point where i've i've not watched them since <laughs> but this Incre- one this one was good incredibles 2 i didn't love i no. wanted to but i didn't love it it was okay but it wasn't great 
Yeah. But, um, so, <clears throat> anyway, um, did you guys ever hear um, the full story of Toy Story as far as where Woody came from? <laughs> Woody. <sighs> you said Wood. He's from the Boner family. <laughs> we didn't get that recording. That's right, we didn't. Dang it. <laughs> uh, it was so good, though. Yeah, it really was. We should have been recording then. I thought we were. I wouldn't have said a word. It's fine. So, anyway. Anyway. So, um, I'm going to try to make this brief. Um, because I also want to get into my own theory about Toy Story 4. So, um the original um, story of Woody is quite intricate and it's uh, um, it's been confirmed by the original writer of the story. So this is not necessarily Pixar Canon, but it is, it, it's as close to Canon as we can possibly get. So um, the original um, story from the writer was that the reason why Woody is such an important doll isn't necessarily that it was, um, you know, just a rare doll or whatever. It's that it was Andy's dad's. And it wasn't, in fact, just Andy's dad's favorite toy. For a long time, it was Andy's dad's only toy. The reason why is that um, his dad grew up in the 50s. And in the 50s, um, a lot of kids were dying of polio. Now, when a kid um, uh, is diagnosed with polio, um, they have to burn everything of the kids, all, uh, their, yeah. all their clothes and all their toys. The Velveteen Rabbit, you know, all that. Yep, yep. So, in fact, actually, the, the writer said that uh, the Velveteen Rabbit was one of the influences of the, uh, of the story of Toy Story. So, oh. any. Anyway, during um, or what, Andy's dad's favorite show growing up was Woody's Roundup. And they were, at the time, running a campaign like most um, shows was they were running a breakfast cereal box top collection campaign. Um, and we actually see the cereal in Toy Story 2. Hmm. Now, um, basically what you had to do is you had to collect so many box tops, you send in a letter, and then they would send you the Woody doll. Well, <laughs> in the middle of the... <laughs> They'd send you their Woody. Go on. <laughs> I, I can't get through this without giggling. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's fine. It's fine. So anyway... You call, call him the cowboy. In, yeah, in the midst of this campaign, uh, Spotnik was launched. So the show got canceled. And while, since the show got canceled, they also canceled making the Woody doll. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. I know you want to say something. I, I, I think this is all sub-sophomoric. I, I think you guys are childish and uh, need to grow up. Okay. Don't, don't, don't be so hard on us. 
<laughs> he said hard on. <laughs> oh God! All right. Um. So I'm gonna try to get rid of through this. Okay. So through this through this campaign, um, the 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 whole studio folds, and not Andy's dad, but Andy's dad's dad finishes collecting the cereal box tops, and writes the company saying, hey, we'd like to get the, the Woody doll. And then it also goes far to explain that, you know, Andy's dad had recently just had polio, so he had no toys at the time. The only Woody doll, the reason why he's so rare is because the only Woody doll in existence is the demo creation. The mm -hmm. first one that they made to demo for the campaign. They never sent it to the assembly line. So Woody is the only one. That's why he's so rare. So the secretary of the company on her way out finds the letter and sends the only Woody doll to Andy's dad. Now, the reason why we never see Andy's dad is actually something even worse. Andy's dad had just died before the movie. If you look around in the house at the beginning of the movie, you see pictures of Andy on the wall. But it's not Andy. It's actually Andy's dad. That's actually why they're moving out of that house in the, uh, in the movie, is because that was Andy's dad's childhood home. He had died, and they were getting their own place. All right. Now, my uh, my theory actually goes into this. It kind of piggybacks off this. So um, through some of the um, movies, um, well, especially in Toy Story 2, um, all the toys talk about their previous owners. Okay. But why doesn't Woody talk about his previous owner? I think that the reason why he doesn't talk about it is something a little darker. Um, so if you remember from the movie Inside Out, Bing Bong is completely erased from existence when Riley forgets him. Yeah. Uh. In the movie Coco, all the formerly dead people, they are erased from existence when they are forgotten. I think that Woody did have a personality and an existence when Woody's dad was alive. But when, when Woody's dad died... Woody ceased to exist to who he used to be. And then when Andy started playing with him again, he found new existence. That makes sense. But that also means in Toy Story 4, Andy hasn't forgotten him yet because he's still going strong. Yeah. Because well, yeah, I mean, he... I, 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 he hasn't really imprinted the body yet. It was kind of stuck between worlds. Yeah, that's true. That that is true, and, and I mean, I don't know if 
it's probably not something that Pixar is ever going to define, but it is interesting. It is interesting. Well, they even kind of play on that at the very end um, when uh, Knifey meets his new friend and she asked, uh, how am I alive? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah. and, that, and that was the end of it. Do you know who that is? The, the Forky? Buster. Yeah, Buster from Arrested Development. When I found that out, I was like, I love this character. This is right before I saw the movie. <laughs> what I want to find out, and mild spoiler, I guess, uh, Knifey, who he talks to at the end, mm-hmm. I, I, I wondered if, if and, and I couldn't find anyone credited as far as I could tell, but I wondered if, if that whoever did, that voice wasn't in reference to something. Mm. But but it's, as far as I could tell, there was no credit for Knifey. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, we're going to Toy Story 4, um, the moment that um, Forky gets life is when Bonnie starts playing with him. So that's how, the, I, that's how well, that, that is the Pixar theory in a nutshell, and also that's how I think that um, Toy Story 4 harkens to the Pixar theory. You know, I really I like think it. that what makes the Pixar movies so special and a cut above any, any other children's film that, well, family films, and that's the right way to say them. Like it's not something dumb. You put your kids in front of for an hour, shut them up. You know, it's a movie that the whole family can enjoy. Right. And, uh, and, and that's, that's important. What makes them special and a cut above is that it does have something for the adults, not just the jokes and, and, and you know references and stuff, but it makes one think of, of existentialism, that why mm-hmm. is something alive? Why, when is something exist and not exist, and what has sentience and what doesn't? It's interesting to think about it mm-hmm. for, for an adult. And uh, characters like Forky make us think about, about things like, you know, when... When did I become sentient? When did I? When do I not be sentient anymore? Is a person more than a sum of their parts? So one of my favorite um, movies or series of movies growing up was the Muppets, and the Muppets was another thing like that. It was one where it had so many different levels. And it's one that I can go back and I can watch over and over again. And there, I always find something new that I didn't notice before because there's so many levels to it. And Pixar is just the same way. It's just there's so many tears to that movie or all those movies. Something funny about the Muppets is that some Muppets are people, but they also mix in real live human people. So, so what are like Muppet people? Are they like a subcategory of people? Like are they people? <laughs> Can they you agree know? with humans? Are they a people? Or I, I, I don't know. Or are they monsters? Like, like Grover and, and Gonzo. I'm thinking of like the, the hecklers, the old guys. I, I, I don't remember. Stantler their... and Waldorf. Stantler and, and Waldorf. That, uh, are, are they monsters? Did I tell you about the time when the church burnt down? Holy smoke! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> that was that was probably one of my favorites. I I, I love Stanler and Waldorf. But there, a lot of the Pixar movies make make adults 
think about complex things. You know, am I, as a human, am I anything different than Forky? I mean, this has got me thinking about these things. Forky <laughs> is a spork and craft pipe cleaners, and that's it. Well, I mean, a human is just a combination of, of physical material. An existential dread. I mean, I like to think of myself as the Swiss Army knife of IT, so... I mean, me and Forky have a lot of similarities. Right. But it, <laughs> you're, you're a human spork. Right. Oh, man. All right. Well, I think we covered all the bases, guys. I'm happy. I'm happy, too. Alex, are you happy? Read about existentialism. Okay. Existentialism. <laughs> That is a topic, that is homework for this summer. And there's a reason why I say for this summer. Because this is the last episode of the season. This Please. is completing season two. And hang on for after the uh, end jingle. Because I'm going to put on some outtakes from the last two seasons. Just a few um, just, just the pepper in there, just, just ridiculousness. One of them, I wouldn't say is, um, PG-13, but, um, it's still hilarious, though, of course, some of, the, <laughs> some of the things that we talked about in this episode, I wouldn't put in that category either. I might mark this. I don't, I'm not sure yet. I don't know how, how this recording's going to go. <laughs> I think I might leave in all of it because it's just, it's a good time. <clears throat> so um thank you mike and alex for joining me tonight um it was a lot of fun you're very and, welcome and uh thank you guys for uh, helping me uh with these last two seasons um you've uh, helped me uh realize the conception of this show so thank you guys no problem and uh, <clears throat> if you, uh, the listeners, like this and uh, want to let me know that we're doing a good job and you want more and have some suggestions for the next season, you can email me at randomwvgeek at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Linktree at, uh, it's the, the address is linktr.ee slash random geek culture and that will point you to all of our social media links all of our podcast links and even paypal <clears throat> also you can send me a voicemail or text to 304-566-9777 uh are we going to try to do this in a uh, barbershop quartet Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the end. That worked out better than I thought it was going to. It did. <laughs> well done, everybody. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode and season two.
So my my neighbor growing up, her name was uh, Iwana. People called her Iny. Oh man! But, but her name was Iwana. Um, and one of her daughters, I believe, was gonna name her granddaughter after her. But Iny insisted that she didn't because her her maiden name, her maiden last name was Peter. <laughs> meaning that her name would be I wanna Peter. And uh <laughs> Yep. It was just funny hearing this come from like an eighty year old lady saying, no, I, <laughs> that that baby's name is gonna be I wanna Peter. I, I appreciate maybe 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 make that its middle name. <laughs> Yeah, you might want to think about that a little longer. Yeah, don't name your kid <laughs> I want a Peter. Uh, a little longer. Uh, well, this is everybody. all gold. This is all gold. I know. So that's, you heard it here first. Don't name your baby I want a Peter. There you go. Or, or marry a boner. You're right. Because you have little <laughs> boners running around everywhere. Which is literally a thing my mom said unironically. <laughs> unironically? Are you serious? Yeah. So there's gonna be oh, a little bonus running around our place. That's that's really good. Can I add something with graphics? Go ahead. So um me and my daddy are making this video game that's called Gluten Free. So the bad guy is named Gluten. Um and so they're trying to run away from them and you're the um you're the main character, Toast, and say so you have to go through these levels. Like, the toaster oven, you can run through the cheese fountain. And, like, you, basically it's like a chicken, I mean, a ch kitchen, kitchen. And you, um, so the other characters are trapped, and you know what they're trapped in? A, um, a loaf bag. You know, like, uh. the loaf bags. And you collect each character one at a time. Each each piece of bread, you, the bread, the, your character is supposed stronger. to be gluten free bread. Makes sense. Hence There's the like name a mermaid free. bread, a girl bread, a wizard bread. Yeah. So. The gluten one is supposed to be like a burnt piece of toast. <laughs> the bad guy. He's a burnt piece of toast. Makes sense. And he's actual toast. He's actual real wheat bread. So, you know, when he rips a piece of himself off and throws his, it at you, you... His sword should be a piece of wheat. Like a baguette? No, no, like an actual piece of yes. wheat. Oh, okay. Like a piece <laughs> of wheat. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. I was actually thinking for the last level mm. that... All it was was you wouldn't even fight him. It would just be a survival because he'd keep taking off pieces of himself and throwing it, and eventually he would knock down his own health enough that if you survived, you won. That does make sense. <laughs> so, anyway, getting back to the game. Just want to say while we're taking a break here that uh, it took a lot of a lot of willpower for me to not make a dirty joke about the word boneworks. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I googled that just to make sure it didn't didn't bring up the wrong uh, search results, and you know. It, Fair enough. Uh, it took a lot of willpower, but I managed. Oh man, could we make that the cold open? <laughs> <laughs> Your call, man. 